Whether it's the Twin Tower attack or the more recent attack from the microscopic COVID-19, we live in a world where we face threats at every turn. Back in 2004, when Dave taught today's passage, Bin Laden was the threat, and now he's dead. But the terror alert Dave warned us about then is still here today, and we dare not ignore what the Apostle Paul said about the protective gear we need to put on to keep us safe. Urgent terror alert. The basic idea that Al-Qaeda and other terrorist organizations would not like to do anything more than to blow up some area of New York. If you were a policeman in New York, how do you think you would respond to that terror alert? In fact, if you're a policeman in New York, you're already working around the clock, don't you think? To be honest with you, I want to ask you, how many of you, would you get up in the morning as you go to work, are really thinking, like, I need to look for suspicious activity. That I need to be careful. Like, some of you have flown this week. How many of you really think? Like, I took Jonathan, and when he flew back to Washington, D.C., there was a big, long line, security line. And I looked around the people. The people were not looking around at everybody in the line, checking out their suit and everything. What they were doing, they were griping with the security. In fact, when I flew recently, I saw two fights with a security guard. How about you? How many of you are really thinking when you're in the security line, like, I need to really watch out. I mean, maybe someone's trying to get a bomb on a plane, and I really, how many of you really think like that? The truth of the matter is, I think that most of you as Americans, the idea of a terrorist attack is way out there. The truth of the matter is, it's an amazing thing about human beings, is we just so quickly forget that there's an enemy out there. Now, I don't want to talk to you about and rouse you to the idea that you need to realize that there's an enemy that wants to kill you. I do want to do that partly tonight. But there is a greater adversary that is after every single one of you. He's been after you this week. And you are under a divine terror alert. The Apostle Paul is God's homeland or body of Christ security secretary. And he has issued for every one of your life a terror alert. And that's what the book of Ephesians closes with. The book of Ephesians began with an incredible revelation that by the grace of God, that you have been called, even from the foundation of the earth, if you have trusted in Christ as your Savior, your heavenly daddy called you to himself and knew you would be part of the bride of Christ from before the foundation of the world. You've learned in Ephesians chapter 2, for example, that you used to be enslaved by the evil one. You used to live in his kingdom. You used to follow his dictates. Many times you didn't even know it. But now by a gift of grace, Jesus Christ has landed in your life. He's created a brand new person inside of you. So that there's not just the old sinful nature anymore. There's not this old rebel against God. There's not just this old person that curses God or is immoral or lies and is arrogant and all this things. But the Lord created a new Christ-like person. And you'll learn about that in chapter 2. In chapter 3, we learn about the unity of the body of Christ and how even Jews and Gentiles in the first century and, and people that are from all different walks of life in the 21st century can come to know Jesus. We've just spent a, some very important weeks talking about how all this fleshes it out in our marriages. A lot of you are, are sharing like, you know, Dave, why is it so hard? 
In other words, Jesus wants us to be in love. Like as a husband, he wants us to love our partner. He wants us to be in love with our mate. And some of you husbands are saying, Dave, it's hard for me to do that. I don't feel like doing it. In fact, just sometimes I just feel just the opposite. And some of you wives are saying, you know, I, sometimes I hate him. Sometimes I just want to get away from him. Sometimes the last thing in the world I want to do is to have a submissive attitude towards Christ and a submissive attitude towards my husband. In fact, it's even gotten worse since we've been talking about it in the Word of God. And some of you kids have been saying, man, I've never had such a hard... You know, before we talked about children obey your parents and the Lord, I didn't have much of a big struggle with that. But man, the last few weeks, I've wanted nothing more than to disobey my parents. Now, a whole lot of you are responding to that saying, well, I guess it doesn't work. In other words, I got this incredible conflict within. I've got tremendous pressure inside. Sometimes I don't think I can work it. So you've decided you're going to quit because it doesn't work. This Jesus thing doesn't work. Well, I want you to understand something. Jesus has not called you just to go to Hawaii like Pete and Carol, the couple I married last night, a a mile high in the sky in a DC-3. Now they're heading out for Hawaii. They're going to have a great honeymoon. And I've got news for you. They should have a nice, relaxing time for the next few days. But that's not what Jesus called you to. Jesus called you, and the American church has forgotten this. As American believers, we think that Jesus calls us to physical healing, and he does heal us at times, but we think if we come to Jesus, we'll have all of our physical diseases taken care of. It's kind of like a fad diet or a fad medical technique. We come to Jesus, and he'll take care of all that. Some of you think you come to Jesus, and man, he'll just pay all of your bills just like that, and it's kind of like a a, a biblical lottery that you've won. And you'll have preachers that will teach you that. You'll have the idea if you come to Jesus, then your marriages will be awesome. And man, you'll just never have any struggles. You'll never be in any problem. And you'll have beautiful kids. And the truth of the matter is, as you're living this thing called the Christian life, one thing that we all agree on this morning, it is a struggle. How many of you would agree that now that you decide to follow Jesus, realistically, there is an intense wrestling match. There's a battle that takes place inside Now, before some of you wives decide that because it's a struggle to get along with your husband and to love your husband, before some of you husbands decide, I'm out of here because I don't feel gushy and warm and passionate right now. And and so I'm out of here because I really feel warm and gushy with my secretary. Before you make those kind of commitments, you need to listen to what Paul says. As you turn to Ephesians 6, we look finally. Paul has finally gotten to the end of the book. Turn to Ephesians 6, verse 10. This is God's urgent terror alert. Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. The apostle Paul is going to conclude this book, and this is where the rubber meets the road. He says, this is the last thing I want to get across to you. I'm going to conclude my letter. The idea here is like you are soldiers. I'm reading a book now where a chaplain describes going through the Iraqi campaign. He describes being with a group of Marines. He talks early in the book about them being in their tents in the desert, waiting for the command. And then he talks about receiving the command to move out. And and he talks about all these Marines grabbing their equipment, talking to one another, and the, the officers coming through and preparing their troops. Some of you have seen pictures of General Eisenhower in the D-Day invasion The worst part of the D-Day invasion was not just the attack against Omaha Beach that a lot of Texans were involved in, but it also, probably one of the worst assignments was to be a paratrooper. 
They dropped all these paratroopers behind the German lines, and the idea was to get the German panther movements to have to concentrate inland towards those paratroopers. And Eisenhower knew there was a good chance he would lose over 80% of those men. And Eisenhower's picture just going really late when it's dark, talking to those paratroopers before they take out in the dawn of the morning while it's still dark. And he knows that 80% of those guys aren't coming back. As a general, he tells them to be strong. Down through history, whether it's Julius Caesar or an Eisenhower, generals talk to their troops before they go out to face the battle. And that's what Paul is doing as he ends this book. He's telling you as followers of Jesus that you are in a battle. And like a mighty general, he says, I want you to be strong. He doesn't say, I want you to be strong in your own intellect. I want you to be strong in your own might. He says, I want you to be strong in the Lord. And I find great encouragement in that. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You're not going to make this Christian life by trying to be strong in yourself. Paul is telling us that we can be strong in the Lord. Now, how strong is the Lord? The Lord is really strong. He can handle it. He can handle what we're facing. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And that's why we sang praise to him. And I want to share with you how this works. In my own life, as I get ready to do something, like I mentioned doing the wedding last night, a lot of these pilots and people involved in flying came to the wedding. A lot of them flew in. Pete and Carol actually creatively have never married somebody in a DC-3 a mile high. So it was all creative. I've even been at the airport where I've seen some of these guys and I've met them and some of the women that were there. And a lot of them don't really know Jesus. Now, a lot of them do, but some of them don't. Well, you say, well, Dave, how do you feel when you're getting ready to do that? Well, a whole lot of you have the idea, well, man, that's no sweat. You've done hundreds of weddings. It's no big deal. I want you to know that I get up Saturday morning thinking I don't want to do the wedding. Emotionally, I feel like, man, who wants to do that? Will I have the right words? I don't know what to say. I'd rather do something else. There's, what I'm sharing is that there's pressure in my life. Okay? Before I speak to you today, like Warren Wiersbe, one day I called him up on, uh, many years ago when I was speaking this passage, and he asked us, Dave, what are you speaking on? He said, I'm speaking on Ephesians 6. He says, let's pray right away. And then he prayed for me. And then, you know what else he said? He said, you know, Dave, I spoke in that passage up in Covington, Kentucky. And I was driving to church. And man, I was in a horrible accident. My life has never been the same. So you better pray. Now, Warren wasn't trying to scare me. And it doesn't mean that we need to be shaking our boots. But Warren was reminding me, you know, this is real stuff. This is real stuff. And what I want to share with you is right from my own heart. The struggle that takes place inside of me. Like, as we're talking about the marriage. Mary and I are talking together and we're saying, man, you know, this is hard. You know, we've been married a long time. You know, are we really warm and tender towards one another? And I want to share with you that there's a very powerful wrestling match inside of me that says, don't be affectionate. All of your kids are leaving. Life is changing. You got a grandchild that has Rett syndrome. Life, you know what? One of the things that happens in my own life right now is as I watch Mary and I, like I have to go through it with couples that have been married for 50 years and 55 years. And I've even gone through situations where partners that had loved each other all their life, suddenly one of the partners doesn't even know who their other partner is.
And that really is tough. In other words, I love Mary all of my life. And there will come a time when she might not even know me or I might not even know her. Now, how are you going to handle that? So maybe we thought I'd just stop right here. and I'll just run back and be a kid again. I'm just being really honest with you. That's the kind of struggle that's really tough. And that's the struggle that some of you are having. All different kinds. You put your situation in there. What the scripture's saying is, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The Lord wants me to come to him. The neat thing about his grace is that you don't have to pretend. Like, I don't have to pretend like, well, man, I always am passionate and affectionate and warm towards Mary. And she's always warm and passionate towards me. And we never struggle. We don't have to pretend. Because our marriage isn't built in Dave's love for Mary. It's in Christ's love through Dave for Mary. You know what? Christ's love. There might be a time when I don't know who Mary is. But the new nature that Christ gave to me is going to be safe in his arms forever. And he promises me that when all the crud of life takes place, it's going to be okay in the end. Do you believe that? That's what you've got to decide. That's what faith is about. What are you going to believe? And the Lord says, I want you to be strong in the Lord. All this stuff we've learned. You are chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. For by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourself. It's the gift of God. All these incredible gifts that the Lord has given you. What faith is you're living on the razor edge. Is it true? And you're going to have to decide whether you're going to believe. Yeah, that's, I'm going to believe in Jesus. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to run all of my life for his grace. And I'm going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, how does this flesh it out? This is the command to be strong. How does it flesh out? The Apostle Paul says that you're like soldiers. And you need to put on the full armor of God. You need to put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you can take your stand against the devil's cunning. Against his schemes. What the Apostle Paul is saying this is the reason you need to be strong. The reason you need to stand in the Lord is because you're in a conflict and he tells you to do something. He pictures you if you saw Troy. If you saw the movie Troy, not the person named Troy, but if you saw the movie Troy, Homer's old marvelous classic, and you saw the soldiers getting ready like Hector, the actor that played Hector, his wife dresses him in his armor. They make a great big deal about it. Brad Pitt, before he goes into battle as the great Achilles, they make a great deal of him putting on his armor. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote this, is chained, possibly, or at least there's one of these guys right at the door. So as the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the Ephesians, he looks up and goes, that's, that's great. That's a great illustration. He looks at a Roman soldier. Now, all of you that have been involved in facing an enemy, you know, like my nephew Ross. One of the things, Ross is a, is a motor mouth like me, and I just love to get him talking. In fact, he talks even more than I do. Boy, you get him going. Get him talking about his marine equipment, man. He'll say, Marines don't carry AK-47s. That's, they carry M-16s. And then he talked about how he takes the M-16 apart with his eye closed and put it back together again. He talked about how he keeps the sand out of the thing. He talks about his knapsack. He talked about one day when he was supposed to be mustered he lost some of his stuff and uh, one of the other guys in our church that grew up here was was close to him and he was spending some time with him and and one of our older guys that's an officer in the navy actually gave him the equipment he needed so that ross didn't get in trouble it shows you the importance of equipment even for a modern soldier and modern soldiers wear their helmets now they do wear flak jackets so it's a little bit closer for a while there we kind of got away from some of this ancient picture but i think some of you thinking about modern equipment can relate to this very strongly again 
A Roman soldier had their armor, and they never went into battle without being properly armed. It, it would be insane to do that. The Apostle Paul is telling every one of you that you need to put on your armor. Throughout the book, we've been learning about your position in Christ. And one of the images that he used back in chapter 4 is that you need to put on your new man. You need to dress yourself in the new man. The same imagery is used here, only now the new man has become like the armor of a great warrior. We learn that the new man back there in chapter 4 is the gift of Christ that's been given to you. We've learned that when you invited Christ into your heart, that he filled you with himself. He created a new person, a new eternal person. That's what makes you saved. And that person is like Christ. And the way that you grow in the Christian life is believing that that's true. But I want to stress to you that that reality of Christ living inside of you actually produces real change in your life. We have a lot of believers today that have the idea, oh yeah, I believe you just died for me. I believe he rose again. But I don't see any evidence of the presence of Christ in their daily lives. And I want to challenge you, that's not going to cut it. That's not Christianity. We have big debates about what you have to say when you get saved. The truth of the matter is throughout the Bible, there's many different things that people say, many ways that they express that they depend upon the Jesus that died for them, that they depend upon the Jesus that rose again. It's not a magic formula. It's a living relationship. What I want to stress today, Ephesians is talking about that you have met, if you've come to know Jesus, you have met the biblical Christ. He's the same Christ that was born of the Virgin Mary. He's the same Christ that raised the dead in the first century. He's the same Christ that died on the cross for your sins 2,000 years ago. And he's the same Christ that rose again and ascended to heaven. And he's the Christ that's coming back. What do you believe about him? If you have come to the place where you said, yes, I'm going to trust in that biblical Jesus. And I'm looking forward to him coming back again. I invite him to come and live in my life. Then you have been clothed with Jesus. You have been made a new person. So as I look at your life, if you'll analyze your life, there's an old cruddy person that's immoral, that's deceitful, and you need to face that darkness and don't pretend it's not there. As mom and dad, like Jonathan was saying, even Leela, just a little tiny little baby girl, he said, man, it just scares me. I'm starting to see that old nature. And sometimes it looks just like the old Jonathan. And that's true. Your culture tells you you're all great people. I tell you, you are from hell without Jesus. And so am I. There's wives in this room. You're totally faithful to your husband, but there's a side of you, you can be immoral just like that. You, you seduce somebody, and you could do heinous things that would blow your family right apart. There's some of you that have told the truth for 30 years, but if I put you in pressure, you'll lie and be as cunning as can be. There's some of you guys, when women have been as people, man, you're, you're really great today, but I put you under pressure this week, and you'll swear. Where does that come from? Because we've got real struggle inside of us, real evil inside of us. And the Apostle Paul says, what do you need to do? You need to put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you can stand against the cunning seduction of the evil one. You say, Dave, who's the enemy? I want you to ask yourself, who do you think is your enemy in life? One of the things that really amazes me is after 9-11, I heard all these reports, it's never been like this before. Things have never been like this before. And the whole imagery was that you used to be able to go to New York and be safe. 
and nothing ever happened. And now suddenly it's become dangerous to live in the United States of America because, and it was horrible. I don't want to minimize that. 3,000 people got killed. And I heard reporters saying, it's never been like this before. Is that true? No, when I was raised as a little kid in New Jersey, I huddled, you've often heard me share this, in the early 60s, I huddled in the hallway of my school about 30 miles from New York City with my leather jacket over my head because Khrushchev was banging his shoe yelling, we're going to bury you. And the whole world was on the edge. There was big Time Magazine articles with mushroom clouds that the big superpowers could blow each other out. Anybody live through that? You know, that's pretty dangerous. Don't you think it is? So the encouragement that I want to give you is that the world's always going to be filled with danger. But a lot of you are misjudging who your real enemy is. You think the enemy is bin Laden. Or you think the enemy for years was communism. And now that enemy was taken away, so we don't have to worry. Well, all of a sudden there's Islamic fundamentalism and jihad. And now we're facing a whole new set of, of enemies. It's really weird. What I want to get a hold of is that there's a real enemy and it's called the devil. And the Bible says the devil means the slanderer. So he slanders you. He lies against you. His other name is Satan. Satan, Satanas, means the adversary. If you were Greek speakers, when you heard Satan, you would hear not just a proper name, but you would hear the adversary, my adversary. And then you would hear devil, and you would hear the seducing liar that slanders me, that tells lies about me and tells lies to me. The Apostle Paul in the first century, told believers like you, there is a great supernatural angelic being that wants to take you out. He said in the next verse, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the ruler of this world. What the scripture is saying here is that there's a, a personal supernatural being, not divine. I want to make that really clear. Satan is not on the same equal being with God, the Father, God, the Son, or God, the Holy Spirit. And you need to understand that. Satan is one of God's created beings that chose to reject his love, chose to reject his grace, and he is the embodiment of the, of the rebellion against God. And he's real. And evil is real. And you live in a culture, you live in a culture that says it's the way you're raised. That's what's wrong with you. And the reason that a mother killed all of her babies is just because there's just chemical imbalances. That's what makes that happen. The reason in Mansfield that a babysitter took a kid, plunging him, according to the accusations against him, plunging him in the stomach, and the little baby died. And the mother says, oh, he's a great guy, he's a great guy. We live in a culture where evil is just staring us in the face. And we, if you listen to the newscasts, psychology will figure it out sociology will figure it out if we only gave them more money that would help but then we have the executives that steal from thousands of stockholders well that's not going to work they had tons of money and they wanted more it goes on and on what i'm just sharing is what blows me away is that i become calloused how about you the apostle paul says that you sit here today diabolos the slander is going to lie to you this week Satan's going to lie against you. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is that you need to realize you've got a real cunning 
supernatural enemy against you. But God loves you as his child and he's clothed you with his armor. And that's what we're going to be talking about the next few weeks. We're going to be talking about the fact that by a gift of Jesus' grace, that every one of you are equipped for the battle. I want you to begin to think about, what do I believe about the devil? What do I personally believe about the devil? And I want to share with you from my own heart, like I really believe in the 21st century that there is a person that doesn't wear red tights and he doesn't have a tail out of his back and he doesn't have a pitchfork. I don't think the devil equals scary Hollywood movies necessarily. The devil is someone that when I'm getting ready to do a wedding on a Saturday night where the gospel needs to be presented, on the way there, there's pressure between Mary and I. You can ask Mary. When she's going to be doing something for the Lord or when I'm going to have to be doing something for the Lord, there's great pressure against our marriage. Ordinarily, I don't bite someone's head off, especially Mary's head off. But when I'm under that gun, I can be sure she'll confess and say, yeah, Dave, that's true. And so one thing we have to do in our marriage is we need to put on the armor of God and realize we need to stand. It doesn't mean we could turn the car around last night and Mary might not even have been in that struggle, but like I can't turn the car around and not go to the wedding. The couple needs to get married. And I don't want you to turn your car around, whether you're a child, a young person in business. I want to encourage you because I believe that a whole lot of you in your, in your Christian walk, because there's conflict, because there's pressure, what I've taught you today, Satan's not omniscient. He's not omnipresent, and he's not omnipotent. But with these rulers, these authorities, all these angelic beings that fell with him, he can be in a lot of different places at once. It's like a bin Laden terrorist organization on a spiritual level. And so he attacks you. And so as you think about your Christian life, you can sin all by your lonesome, and you need to understand that. It's not all the devil made me do it. But you need to understand that there's some time in your life where there is a deception and there is a pressure against you that is the devil and his henchmen that want to take you out. And the Apostle Paul is like an incredible spiritual general that's saying, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We're going to close this passage in a few weeks by talking about how prayer is the final thing. Paul is going to liken prayer to a visible part of the armor, which reminds us that this really isn't a physical thing. It's not just a psychological thing, but it is a deep spiritual thing. So the Apostle Paul is going to tell us that, that one of the ways that we're strong in the Lord in the power of his might is by our prayer. So let's close the service today. Let's all bow our heads. And as you bow your head, I want you to pray. And I'm going to give you some things that I want you to pray about. I want you to think in your prayer and talk to the Lord about, about his power. Think back for just a few minutes, just a couple minutes. Think back about some of the evidences of power that you've seen. Think back to some of the time in your life where you knew that God was giving you strength, that God was filling you with his might. And thank him for that. And I just tried to share from my heart some of the attacks, just a few of the attacks that Mary and I have faced this week. Think about some of the attacks that you're facing, that you might be facing right now. Think about some of the attacks from the evil one, some of the pulls, some of the pushes that are seeking to take you away from a loving, faithful devotion to Jesus or 
an attack that causes you not to want to go public about your commitment to Jesus or to share with a friend about the gospel. One of the things I do in my own life is I, I write down in a sheet of paper some of those areas that are stressing me, that where I feel the pressure to not do what Jesus wants me to do. And then I ask the Lord for strength, and I'm able to, to date when I see the Lord answer. Like today, I can, I can thank Jesus for the power that he gave me just to be able to present the gospel clearly at another wedding and to not be afraid and to do it in a way that, that helps people to understand who Jesus is. So I, I put that down today. I can say, Jesus, thank you for helping me to not be ashamed of you, but to be, to be bold and to present Christ. And you can do that too. What are some of the areas that you're facing a real pressure and some real temptations not to stand close to the Lord Jesus and to represent him? And then let's ask the Lord Jesus to give us strength in those conflicts. Oh, Lord, I just thank you that you've told us that you hear our prayers. And I thank you that it doesn't necessarily have to be a big emotional thing. It can be that, but Lord, sometimes it's just the quiet, steady power that helps us not to lie or helps us not to just think about ourselves or that it helps us to give that servant action that we talked about last week or helps us to tell the truth that helps us to be just. And I want to ask you, Lord, that this passage in Ephesians on the spiritual warfare that we're in over the next few weeks would help my brothers and sisters to win many victories. Many of my brothers and sisters are going to face those same kind of struggles, fears about presenting the gospel, wondering how to discipline their children, how to rely upon you for our finances, that's our prayer, Lord. We want the grace. We want the new life and the eternal security, the joy of knowing that we're your children. We want that incredible message to just powerfully change lives throughout this whole area. And we know that the evil one's not going to like that. So help us to be ready to stand in your armor, clothed with Jesus, and help us understand more of what that means to be clothed in Jesus. Protect us from thinking that we're just wrestling with human principles, human powers. We've tried to hear Paul's words this morning that there really is a personal adversary, the, the very embodiment of the, of the craziness and the murderous violence and the evil that wickedness involves. And I just pray that you would defeat Satan this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.